coming up next in The Ziggler Show. Mental health is a top trending issue. We all know that. So this is what I asked the Ziggler audience. Mental health problems are spinning out of control, led by anxiety and depression. What do you feel is to blame? Well, we got well over 100 really in-depth responses, and it's of interest that this comes from an audience that is less likely to blame and more likely to take responsibility. Yet there's a lot of emotion behind the answers. And my interest, however, here was not a mere survey, but to assess how we see the culture regarding mental health and how our perception is affecting us. And I can summarize the results into two main categories, a lack of a personal foundation and too much exposure to negativity. And before you brush it off thinking that your foundation's 100% solid and your exposure is moderate or benign, I'm really going to challenge you as in talking here with Tom Ziegler and later with my Driven to Live members, I'm convinced I'm not unscathed here myself. And I feel this episode is going to inform you to help yourself and gain really quality insight in helping others with their mental health. Welcome to The Ziggler Show. I'm your host, Kevin Miller. On The Ziggler Show, my focus is getting to the root of personal and business development by digging into what actually helps us change, transform, and achieve the progress we feel called to and gain the fulfillment we truly desire. Here, I bring today's most influential people onto the show and take captive the core issues of human performance to have conversations about what really matters to our individual lives. If you want to go beyond merely listening and join our our community of people devoted to making positive change in their life and work, come over to kevinmiller.co. Join my Driven to Live community where we dig into this issue of mental health further and how we can best address it as influencers. Up next, Tom Ziegler and I discuss these causations of our mental health crisis. Tom, we're at an all-time high of mental health being headlines, literally headlines, focal point. I mean, you just have your brand new book, 10 Leadership Virtues for Disruptive Times. And my gosh, I mean, you know, in the workplace, mental health is being talked about constantly in the education areas. And how do we deal with it? So, you know, here we are with another very non-scientific biased survey that I've done, you know, asking people their perspectives on mental health and what is the purpose. And my feeling on that was it's important for us to know our perspective on what we see of the problem out there because we're a part of the culture. I was going to say the problem, but part of the culture and it's how we view the battle that we're in and everything that was shared, which we'll go through real briefly here though, but everything we're all exposed to. I mean, as I looked at this and read through everybody's list of what they cited, I thought there's nothing cited here that I am not connected to in some way that I'm not exposed to. And here we are at the end of the day, dealing with our own state of mind. I'll just ask you on that, your thoughts on that. I mean, you're, you're responsible for Tom Ziegler's state of mind and you're exposed to all this stuff. And, and I, I want to just say for both of us, I mean, it does matter. We're not, we're not immune. What are your thoughts on that? We are not immune. 
And a lot of us don't even realize we have a choice um, on what our mental health state of mind is. It's the number one uh, issue with HR in large companies is they're worried about the mental health and well-being of their people. Uh, if you look at all the stats, um, I read where more military have passed away from suicide than COVID. I mean, it's, you know, there's, it's something that kind of gets put to the side, but it's really should be front and center. Right. I mean, it's, it, it affects everything. And we have a little thing we do in our, in our choose to win. Uh, you, you can see it in the book and you can see it in our courses that we teach, but we have people um, do a pie graph of their day or of their week. And you divide it up into your waking hours and you say, gosh, I spend this amount of time at work, this amount of time with my family, this amount of time in front of the TV, this amount of time on social media, this amount of time hanging out with friends. Everybody's pie chart is different because it's you, right? And so you get a, you kind of get a glimpse, you know, well, 50% of my awake time is working. And then we have people uh, put a, a P or an N next to that chart, that piece of pie. Is that time spent primarily positive or primarily negative? Mm -hmm. Like like just the tone of it. Is, is the input that you're getting primarily positive or primarily negative? Spend an hour a day just reading uh, your own stuff. Is the, what you're reading, is it primarily positive? You can even look at what it is that you're reading. Uh, you know, let's suppose that you read an hour a day or 30 minutes a day. Is it positive? And positive in this sense means that it's it's educational, it's informational, it's upbeat, it's edifying. It's allowing you to move closer to your goals and purpose. Uh, it could even be uh, fiction. It could, it could be something that you just get enjoyment. But when you read it, you've you've got the good feeling it's not it's not dark it's not casting a shadow over your mood or your life right it, it can be intense that's okay but <clears throat> that's positive what if it's what are you, are you reading something that's negative negative is just bringing you problems without solutions it's it's something that doesn't edify it's something that you wouldn't want to share with everybody who you care about mm -hmm. right it's it's something that uh, slows you down, that drains your energy, that keeps you from moving towards where you want to go. And so we can look at every area of our life that way. Is the input that we're getting, is it primarily positive in that area or primarily negative in that area? And so now we've got this exacerbation of going on. It's like an amplification, a multiplication where people are in work and we see this mental health issue coming up all the time now, the great resignation. Uh, one of the main reasons that people are quitting is burnout. But is it burnout because of the job or is it a combination of things? And I believe that it is they're short staffed, they're overworked. The leadership around them isn't being lifted up from the inside out. In other words, they don't have more capacity to help support. Maybe they never did in the first place. Uh, and you get inundated with the news and then you come home to your family and they're all feeling the same way. 
And so it is an amplification, a multiplication of this. And this is what I meant by my first statement. Most people don't even realize they have a choice. You can look at your day and you can look where you're getting your inputs and you can draw boundaries that say, I'm going to limit as much as possible the negative inputs and I'm going to embrace and have more positive inputs so that I can start to get a control of my mental state. That right there, Tom, as you're, as you're talking and as I was reading through, I was playing with some mental imagery. So uh, give me your thoughts on this. Well, first I was just thinking about, you know, if you're in the whitewater on a river with uh, just you and you alone, you're in danger. Having a life jacket is dramatic to your safety and keeping you above water. Okay. In the same scenario, thinking about, you know, cities that are just full of smog, literally, you got to wear a, you know, a face mask and, and, and whatnot to deal with it that, you know, in looking at whitewater, looking at smog, obviously we can look and say, how can we just get out of it? How can I get to shore and get out of the water? Period. I'm not even in the rapids. How can I get up on a, on a mountain over and outside of the smog? Well, obviously, to some degree, that's great as much as we can do that. And I've cited a couple of times I read, I don't know how long ago it was, that Tim Ferriss, a lot of people know him for our work week and a bunch of other books that he's written, but has a gigantic podcast, one of the biggest on the planet. And he was quoted as saying that he no longer looks at the news every day, going to just what you said. He's not going to read all that negativity. If there's something important happening, there's no way he can't not know about it from, you know, friends and other things. Now that's an arguable statement. I do look at the news. I look at the headlines just to get a pulse of what people are reading, uh, every day. But you know, there is relevance in that. How can we just get out of it? And yet, as we read all these things that people cite, there's also times when, even if I'm up there on the mountain, I say, look, I have just got to go into town. So what am I going to do? Am I going to breathe the smog or I've got to jump in the water? Am I just going to try to stay above the water in the rapids? Or do I find something that helps me like a life jacket or with smog, like a, a mask or my gosh, I, I was even thinking of the, you know, what are the things that people put on like in a, in a wartime, a gas mask, you know, something like that. Because when we look at people's, you know, responses, let me, let me just you, you were good for good with me just to go over the highlights here, Tom. Um, you bet. Number one was, you know, lack of spirituality. That was the number one cited thing. Now, again, we have a biased audience, very faith-based audience, but we're talking about a foundation saying, do you have a foundation? And I'm going to call this a gas mask. Do you have a gas mask so that even if you go into the smog, you're protected from that when you have a foundation of faith, belief in something uh, bigger. Now, the second thing that was cited was, and a lot of these overlap, but in categories, it was kind of phone and media, which I'm going to say is one and the same. The phone is the device that most of us get our media through these days. That's the majority. So we're saying the same thing, but they're just saying the influx of smog and whitewater, the expo- the exposing of that, that we all get. So even if I say, I'm not going to do the news, if I participate in social media, it is media, I'm still getting filled with that media. And we've said it so many times, I feel like people still don't grasp the gravity that the number one thing that sells is drama, 
negativity. If it bleeds, it leads was said a long, 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 long time ago, back when newspapers were starting to be printed. If it bleeds, it leads. That is still the case today. If you go to USA Today, if you go to CNN, 75, 80% or more of the headlines are all negative. They're looking to make them negative. That is the writer's job is to make it negative. Why? Because that's what sells, which is interesting, Tom, because here we are in the world of authoring. Okay. You just have a new book that comes at, that, that came out. And if you look at the bestseller list, you do not see negative headlines, no negative titles on books. Those primarily don't sell. If you're going to have a book that's going to sell out there in the nonfiction, self-help, personal development, business development, it needs to be positive, which is interesting, kind of a sidebar there. But on the news over here, the daily news, what grabs people's attention? Negative. Even if you go to social media, if you post something good that happened to you, hopefully you'll get some response. If you cite something bad, you'll get far more responses. It's just humanity, go figure. Um, but that was cited as number number two. The, the next one was uh, a lack of knowledge, but it really came into coping. And it was really talking about people, people talking about upbringing, your foundation, uh, which is, again, I'm going to go back. It's like we're talking about life jackets and gas masks again, things that protect you. Uh, isolation then was top of the list, which you could you know cite COVID or whatnot, but this was happening long before COVID. We all know that, that we're connected, meaning we have connections to people. We have 5,000 friends on Facebook. Now we've never met most of those people. We don't really know them at all. We have, so we don't have actual relationships. And then we have things, just a quick run through. We have trauma, fear and anxiety, lack of physical health, lack of hope, uh, the government, and, and so many things that were cited here. But I really want to bubble up there, Tom, to all these. Because, yeah, as you saw, there's well over 100 uh, comments between Facebook, where I posted the question, and in my Driven to Live community. We've got well over of 100. Not just a lot of them aren't just a one word. They're in-depth thoughts. People really have thoughts on this. But I'm going to say when it comes down to it, when we look at spirituality and purpose and, uh, and faith and things of those natures, we're talking about foundational issues that our people are saying, I see a, a lack of that in people. So they are swayed by the traumas, by the fears and whatnot. And then the other is just what you talked about is the exposure that we can't not uh, or, or we can't guard ourselves completely against. We can't live in a bubble. And that's, that's where we kind of came to there. So then it leaves us all into that responsibility, Tom, of yeah, how much exposure are we going to let ourselves be privy to? And if we have to have some, what do we do to be able to weather that? You are listening to The Ziegler Show and my discussion with Tom Ziegler on mental health and our mental state. We'll be right back. Yeah, and I'd like to uh, just put another bucket in there, okay. and that is um, there is, and and everybody deals with this. It's it's in a varying degree, and some people it's not substantial at all. And that is, th there are outside things, traumas that happen to us mm -hmm. that impact our mental well being, our mental health. And you know, I look at PTSD, and so many people who've been through that. Uh, I mean, that's a real physical issue. I mean, that's that's not that's not saying, hey, you just got too much bad news. <laughs> that was 
something physical that happened and all of these things and and our thoughts and what we think about that all changes brain chemistry and that change in brain chemistry then uh, has a, a, a dampering effect or our ability to, to change the way we think, right? It's like, Hey, it's now it's a physical problem as well as a thinking problem. Um, and so we're not just, I'm not discounting, uh, that at all. Uh, if, and that's professional help, that's, that's where you go to see somebody. That's what they do. They're an expert in that, uh, at Ziegler, we've always approached it from kind of the attitude. What can I control side of things? Mm -hmm. What kind of mindset? And it's, and it's, it is the idea of, you know, it's like a football coach. You go into the game. And you want to give your team the best chance to win, right? And so you study what the other team does, their strengths and weaknesses. You study your own strengths and weaknesses. And then you plan accordingly. You want the best chance to win. And life is the same way. And so the way I look at mental health is what can I do to give my team, my, my life, my, my decisions, the best chance for me to win? Yeah. And that's where all of these things kind of, uh, they, they're like bricks in the house. <laughs> the, the more bricks, the more mortar, the, the stir, and the, the more solid the foundation, the longer the house is going to last and the better it's going to serve you. And so I just, I just want to say as we, as, you know, dad made a comment. He, he said, you know, a, uh, uh, a positive attitude will outperform a negative attitude every time. Yeah. Right. Now, what what he didn't say, he didn't say ignore problems. <laughs> In fact, he said the opposite. Identify problems mm -hmm. and then focus on the solution. And so I grew up with a positive bent towards identifying problems. Right. I mean, that's just how I see it uh, in the book. Ten virtues. Uh, I, you know, I, I talk about how coach leaders embrace disruption. And so I look at disruption differently. Disruption's about opportunity to serve other people. And if I'm if I'm fixed mindset and I and I can and I do best when things don't change, then I'm setting myself up for a hard future because things are changing so fast. Mm -hmm. But if if my mindset is I love to learn Right. If the bricks and the foundation that I'm laying and the bricks that I'm building are all around learning and adapting and embracing. Uh, and, and then and this is this was said a couple of times during the comments, you know, kids are given uh, trophies for participation and <laughs> they don't suffer consequences. Yeah. I just go back to I think it was either Tom Brokaw. I think it was Tom Brokaw. He wrote the book Greatest Generation. And it was about the men and women who fought in World War II. And, you know, years later, after they'd basically done something that no generation had ever done, from winning the war to building an economic powerhouse uh, in, in, in America, they asked them, well, what, um, what allowed you to be the greatest generation? And they basically said, the only thing we had was each other. We didn't have money. We didn't have resources. We didn't have stuff. And we went in with the odds against us, but we had each other's back. 
And because of that suffering, because of that trial, because of that faith, that reliance on each other, that's what made us the greatest generation. And then they asked them, well, what do you want for, the, for your kids? They all said the same thing. We don't want them to suffer like we had to suffer. And so in a weird way, they were denying the younger generation greatness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so maybe, uh, maybe part of our mental health challenge today is how we view tough times. Yeah. Right. Maybe we view it as something to be avoided at all costs. And when we can't, we give up rather than tough times are the things that create the steel and the backbone that allow us to achieve our full potential when times go in in a different direction. So I'm I uh, there's so many different directions to go there, but you said something to the effect of, you can rephrase it if I get it wrong, but uh, it was a quote of a house. How long is a house going to last? Depends on its foundation. Did I get that right? Correct. I am curious about that. If we were to take different people and audit their, gosh, their level, level of where are they compromised? Where are they strong? And we all are. We all have areas of strength. We all have areas that we're compromised in. And going back to what you said, Tom, you know, trauma, how much trauma have we had? How much strength have we had the opportunity to build and to look at that and say, gosh, if there is an area of smog, going back to my analogies of smog, if you have a compromised cardiovascular system, you're going to have a harder time in that. I would say that you need to either stay out of it or do what you can to build strength like the gas mask if you're going to go in that. But it's going to be different than you take somebody who's a, an elite athlete with perfect lungs and cardiovascular. They're probably going to do better. That's not a right or wrong. It's not a better or a judgmental thing necessarily because that may be out of the womb to some degree, genetics even. But it is just calling a spade a spade. How are they going to do there? No different than if we look at the rapids there. Now, I'm not terrible, but I am not at the top of the list for swimming. It's not my favorite thing. Water's not my favorite thing. Uh, if you want uh, somebody who's going to rock in there, you know, take Laird Hamilton or something like that, or Kelly Slater, one of these surfer dudes that can handle anything out there. And they're just going to do better. Uh, they're going to last longer. I mean, that's just the facts. They put more time into it. Maybe they're genetically gifted. I don't know. Either way, I'm going to need a safety vest more than they are. And I'm probably going to spend less time. And I'm not going to expose myself. And, you know, we look at that. I think we, we struggle so much with the judgment of what we can handle. And I don't think it's always fair because I would like to say, you know what, Tom, I'm strong, man. I can, I can, with, I can withstand all this junk out there, all the negativity. Well, you know what? Honestly, I don't even know because I don't expose myself to it that much. That's an an admission. Maybe I should get kudos for that. Or maybe I should, somebody could point at me and go, no, you're not even exposing yourself, Kevin. You're not building up strength. I live up in a bubble. I'm up here in the mountains in my little town. We're untouched by a lot. I don't have the need to participate in a lot of social media stuff and a lot of news, whatnot. I generally check in just to see the pulse of the audience uh, that I have and what they're really do. But I don't expose myself to it that much. So maybe I'm not that resilient or maybe because I don't expose myself, I'm over here getting stronger. I've got to discern that. And that's where I think we're all left is to look at what are our abilities and something you said, Tom. I wrote down resilience. That word I probably had not thought about much until Brene Brown 
uh, whatever her first book was. I can't remember what it was called. Um, but she really brought resilience as a topic up. I think that was in her, a big part of her Ted talk on vulnerability and whatnot. And how resilient am I? There are some areas in my life where I am massively resilient and there are some areas in my life where I am not. And, you know, my own self-awareness to figure out what can I withstand as I look at the, uh, what's happening out there in the culture and the possibilities for my life and really getting real and going, what do I think I can withstand? Cause I can't guard myself completely, but am I doing the things right now to build myself up? But I think for all of us to look at that, to look and say, where are we in, in the areas of life? If we just took the Ziggler wheel of life. And looked and said, gosh, how strong and resilient do I feel in regards to my spirituality, in regards to finances, in regards to my, my work, my ability to make an income? How about relationships? And most people I know are going to be real strong in some areas and not so much in others. And that kind of guards what we need to do to be, well, safeguarding ourselves to some degree and, and, and be honest. But then also look at where do I really need to take affirmative action? Where are the places that I am compromised, that I'm most susceptible to falling to the smog, falling to the, the white water or whatnot? Um, and so, yeah, listening to you talk, Tom, makes me feel like I, I need to look at all these areas that were, that were listed, look at the media, look at the influx of information that's out there and say, how, where am I strength-wise? How does it affect my attitude and my mood? How much do I need to stay out of it? What do I need to do when I go into it? I was thinking about that when you were talking and thought, you know, my mornings are spent like yours. I get up, I have margin, I have time, I build myself up, I bring in positivity. I do so many good things before I take my 60 seconds and scan the news headlines and look at it and, and try. And I, and I just know right in, it's all going to be negative. I'm just looking to see what are people responding to when I go and, and, uh, and, and, and commune with folks. And then I jump off of it and I'm back into positivity. Most of the day, uh, are we, what are we doing to bolster our resilience is really a lot of what comes to mind here, Tom. And again, that balance of how much do we stay out of it? And what do we do to make sure we can withstand it with health? Resilience. So let's just say you wake up one day and you say, you know what? I'm going to be resilient. What does that mean? Yeah, I, I don't think you can make that. That'd be like me saying, you know, I'd be like somebody looking over at Pike's Peak that I'm, I can look out of my window here and say, you know what? I'm going to go out there and I'm going to run up that thing. That's not a choice you can make. If you want to do that, you're going to have to prepare. Is that a fair direction to go with what you're bringing up there? Yeah, and that's what everybody's, you know, if mental health is the issue that it seems to be, um, if it's a driving factor in burnout, and burnout is a driving factor in the great resignation, uh, if families and people are becoming... Um, less productive, less happy, more depressed, all those different things. And you say, okay, you just need to be resilient. <laughs> That's like telling somebody in grief, hey, you just need to, you know, let some time go by. It'll be okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right. Yeah. You don't want to. It's that's not good advice. And it's and, and it's not what you want to say to somebody who's in the middle of that. Mm-hmm. And I just, you know, I keep I keep going back to um you know, that simple quote 
that dad would start off his events with, his seminars. He would say, how many of you here today believe there's something you can do in your personal life, your family life, your business life, your spiritual life, and the next week that will make things worse? Can I see your hands? And 100% of the hands go up. Mm-hmm. And then he flips it and says, how many of you think there's something you can do in the next week in your personal family, business, or spiritual life that'll make things better? And 100% of the hands go up. And what he was really saying is, is we all have a choice, right? Mm-hmm. We all have a choice. And when we, and that's where the power is, is once we start to believe we have a choice and there's something that we can do about it. And so, you know, to me, resilience is it's building that foundation. It's saying, okay, what are the choices that I can do today that will make, and I, and I just use the seven spokes on the wheel, <laughs> And I say, what are the choices that I can do today that will make me more resilient, build my mental health so that I can better take on the world, right? And so you look at your mental, your spiritual, your physical, your family, your financial, your personal, your career, and you start incrementally doing little things that get you to where you want to go. And then that sheds a spotlight on the big question, where is it you want to go? And that's where the purpose, the why, all of those things. If you don't know where you want to go, any direction will do. Yeah. Right. But if you know what your why is, if you know what your purpose is, if you know what your aspiration, your goals, and your dreams are, then that's your true north, right? That's the direction you want to go. And you can begin in self-awareness, you can begin to say, is what I'm doing right now, is it taking me closer to or further from where I want to go? There was a big article about um, meditation. And they there are these meditation camps where you go and you meditate 10 hours a day. And they're healing disease. And people's lives are getting completely turned around. So what is... What is meditation? I think meditation as it, at its essence, it's, it's directed mental awareness and thinking in the direction you want to go, right? Not what you're afraid of, not what you're worried about, not what you fear might happen, but in the direction that you want to move towards to get you closer to your why and your purpose and those kind of things. So I think it's, I think it's interesting. And so when we look at, um, and this is what's tragic is people smarter than me and you <laughs> have gamed uh, the news, movies, social media, everything to get intentional responses out of us for financial gain. I, and that, go ahead. And, and by participating, we encourage them. Yeah. Yeah, uh, man, you, you bring up a couple things there, Tom. And one was a story I was thinking about late recently, just about our mindset, kind of going to what you said earlier, going to our mindset. I was thinking about, so we're just, you know, we're just into the new year. Every Christmas season, I watch It's a Wonderful Life, one of my favorite movies of all time. And uh, so many profound messages in that. But the one that jumped into my head the other day, 
as we look at this, as we look, we have so many people who are critics of the culture looking at it and just everything's going to hell in a handbasket and their perspective on it. It made me think of George Bailey. So if you've seen the movie, you'll know this scene. If you haven't, the guy is at the end of his rope. He's had a hard time. Uh, really a, a little a trauma happens and he's on a bridge. He's literally back to my whitewater thing. He's on a bridge. It's, it's winter. It's snowing. He's looking down at the choppy freezing water and he's just going to throw himself in. He thinks that he's worth more. Somebody said that you're worth more dead than alive. And he's thinking about his insurance policy and he is looking at jumping into the water, this freezing dangerous water to end his life. Well, then what happens? The angel in the movie jumps in and starts yelling for help. And what does George do? He jumps in the water, exactly what he was threatening to do to end his life. But now his purpose just changed 180%. Now he's got a purpose. Well, that's it. He's got a purpose and he's going in. He jumps in and saves the guy. And I thought, how interesting is that? We look at this dangerous thing and say, no, don't jump in the water over. The most important thing is don't let him jump in the water. And my thought as I was ruminating on this during my ride the other day was that wasn't actually the point to keep him out of the water. He's got strength in him. We've got strength in us to be resilient if we have a reason to, if we have a purpose to. And he was able to jump in in the same moment, a split second difference. And instead of going in and it killing him, he went in and he saved somebody. And just thinking about that as we look at this, it brings us back to some of these big, big issues of our strength, as you said, of our resilience, of our of our faith in ourselves, but also then to what you said, Tom, just our preparation. What are we doing every day? And I'm, I was sitting here thinking as you were talking about it, about my Pike's Peak quip, you know, if somebody just wanted to do that. And I thought, what if even more so somebody said, you know what, go to one of these dystopian films or pretend you're one of the pioneers or something like that. And they say, hey, you, whoever you are, Tom, Kevin, Barbara, Sue, whoever's listening, I need you to take your family, young kids, and I need you to take them over the pike, over Pike Speak. You've got a month to prepare. What are you going to do? You're going to prepare, especially when you've got the responsibility. Let's just say little kids over there that you literally may be carrying. You're going to prepare, and what are you going to do? Every day, you're going to get up and you're going to look at what can I do to strengthen myself so that I can take care of these people and help them get over. That's so convicting to me to think about today. It's my responsibility and opportunity to strengthen myself. It's not all about me. This isn't some narcissistic, just, you know, hundred percent self-focus. It's so that I can do what I most want to do, which is have purpose, which is contribute, which is, as you talk about so often, Tom is create a legacy. So what am I doing to strengthen myself to be able to withstand, not only withstand these turbulent things that are going to happen, the disruption as your book is about, but help other people, which I want to do. I mean, I want to do that's in my self-interest. That's hundred percent myself. There's nothing that will make me happier or more fulfilled than helping other people. So it's totally, this isn't just some altruistic Christian type perspective. It's what we all at the core want to do. We want to be, we'd like to be strong enough to help other people because that's what really fulfills us the most. And yet it calls on me every day to look at this, these issues and go, man, this is what's happening. This is the world I live in. What am I doing to change my perspective? Yeah, I'm so enamored with that. To not look at it as, oh my gosh, this is going to overwhelm. It's overwhelming everybody. It's overwhelming me. But to look at, can I jump in and have the strength to save somebody? But that calls me back to where you started, Tom, on the every day. Every day, the moment I get up, what am I doing 
to take as much responsibility as I can. And man, I say that, Tom, and you know, I don't want to minimize anybody's trauma. I don't want to minimize the people whose upbringing was 500 times worse than mine uh, at all. I don't, I'm not one of those people that says, Hey, it doesn't matter. No excuses. Just go out there and kick butt anyways. So I, I with immense sensitivity to that, Tom, I'm laughing. Cause I know your dad and everybody's upbringing was worse than yours. So <laughs> thank you. Yeah, yeah. Likewise. Come on. Yeah, it's, it's true though. It's true. Talk about privilege. Uh, that's yeah, absolutely. You are listening to The Ziegler Show and my discussion with Tom Ziegler on mental health and our mental state. We'll be right back. Yeah, so that that question the dad asked, is there anything you can do to make things better or worse? That's where hope is born. Yeah. And so really that's the first place where we've got to 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 start winning the battle on the mental well-being is hope mm-hmm. right if i can get a glimpse of hope then i have a reason to try yeah. right and so there's a couple of ways to to see hope one is from an inward position of hey there's something i can do there's also the hope of the guy that jumps in the river next to you and needs help, right? Yeah. <laughs> All of a sudden, you realize, wait, there's something bigger than me and more important than the way I'm feeling right now. It's it's helping them. And boy, what a, what a game changer that is. Uh, we've all heard it. When you're not feeling so good, you're feeling down. What if you just reached out to help somebody else who was feeling worse? Mm-hmm. Right. And that's, that's a great, great place to start. I just, um, I mean, do, do you think that, um, people, you know, it's like one of the things I learned to do once I figured it out is I don't, I don't pay for pra- patience anymore. Cause I know how it's built. <laughs> Explain that. Well, every, there's a joke, you know, Lord, give me patience and give it to me now. Yeah. Uh, so if you want to build that muscle, guess what you're about to go through? Yeah. Yeah. Something that you're going to, that's going to be tough. And the answer is not coming anytime soon. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and so uh, I pray, uh, you know, my prayer, there's an old saying that says a fool never learns from what they do. A normal person learns from their own mistakes and a wise person learns from other people's mistakes. Yeah. So, yeah. so my prayer is more sophisticated. God, you know, help me get to there without all the pain and drama yeah. uh, that's involved in that. And that's a hard thing when it, when it comes to grit and resilience and everything else, because the thing that allows us to do what we've never done before is a lot of times we're in a position where there is no other option but to move forward. Yeah. Right. We don't like it. We don't wish we were in it, but staying where you are, you know, what's that? If, if you're in hell, keep moving. Is that what somebody said? Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. And, you know, and I read, uh, or I listened to David Goggins book, can't hurt me. Mm-hmm. And that is the story of, 
you know, how much can you do? It's like, I don't believe we're limitless, but then I see limitless, uh, <laughs> unimaginable things that people are capable of doing. Mm-hmm. And we sell ourselves short. And so what it really comes down to is is this. It comes down to belief and self-image. Yeah. What do we believe and what's our self-image? Yeah. And unfo- not unfortunately, but the reality is, is that self-image is refined in consequences. Explain that. When people do things and they are spared the consequences, oh, right. then there's not a sense of, I have what it takes. When people are not spared the consequences, remember consequences can be good or bad. <laughs> But when you get the consequences of your actions and your thinking, then that refines you. I think that's a, uh, that, you know, that's a great, and and we see it with young people who've never uh, had to struggle or suffer through something. And it goes back to all the childhood experience uh, experiments where you take the two sets of kids, right. And it's, you know, one set, you tell them they're smart, and the other set, you praise them for how hard they work. Yeah. The kids who get praised on something that they have control over, how hard they work, they do far better in life. Yeah. And and because we can control how hard we work, but we can't. We're born genetically with a certain amount of smarts. Now, if we work hard at learning, we can get smarter, but if we think that our value is on how smart we are, we give up because we can never be as smart as somebody else. Right. That's just, yeah. that's just the reality of it. But if we can, uh, if, if we can take, if, if we compare ourselves to who we were yesterday and we're moving forward, gosh, we can always be a little better today. It's an amazing thing. So that's the difference between growth, the potential to versus this is all I have. So why bother? Yeah. Well, and you're bringing up that great balance that we, well, the balance that can be great in this arena of, I'm going to say personal development and self-help where we tend to polarize on the sides of just increase, get better, go forward, make progress. And on over here is, is you're not enough. And we have so much back to what you said with self-image, self-loathing and how can we have, and I see people vacillate on those. I see people who are in this realm of trying to make progress and they get burnt out to what you said. They get burnt out and they'll come over here and go, you know, I just want to be okay being who I am. And they'll, they'll stop progress as well, which I don't think we find fulfillment in. How can we hold those both together to say, "I, I am okay now. I'm okay. I'm at peace with me right now. And chances are I have even more potential to what you just said. I have more capacity and I want to pursue that because it just serves me. I feel better. We know that the happiest, who are the happiest people on planet earth? Those making progress towards what? I don't know that it matters. Something, anything. 
Make it your art, make it your work, make it your contribution, make it your whatever it is. But the people who get up with, to what you said, Tom, with some hope, some expectation, uh, some progress to be made in something, those are just, that's what makes us happy is that gives us a purpose. And, uh, but to be okay also, and I, I'll hold my hand up, Tom, that I've struggled with this, that I can, I can get up and have anxiety in the effort to progress and perform and 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 grow and whatnot and it's just a spirit we're back back to george bailey on the on the river i do want to progress i do want to grow i do want to expand my potential and my capacity i think it's my responsibility but i also know that it's what fulfills me the most but can i change and do that without pressure without anxiety without fear can i do that and also say and, and today kevin you're okay Okay. I haven't done that well my entire life. I'm finding uh, more peace in that. And interestingly, this is what you would expect to hear, but I just got to admit, I find it true with myself. As I chill out, Kevin, I find that a lot of my progress actually accelerates. It's easier and it's faster as I get rid of some of the anxiety in some areas. There's also other areas where I've given myself permission to slow down. What am I striving so much for? I told this story probably five times to personal friends that since I interviewed, no, I shouldn't say that, it was when I got the interview requests from Mitch Album, probably <clears throat> three months ago or so, it was from his agency. Mitch Album, the guy who wrote Tuesdays with Maury, which I think sold like 14 million copies. Um, I read the book. I want to say again, though, I, I'm honestly not sure. I owned it. I don't know if I read it. So I read it. And in there, it was Maury, his mentor, saying to Mitch, literal true story, saying, you know, in essence, my paraphrasing, what are you striving so hard for? And, in, and again, in my, my own paraphrasing, it was in my head, what do you lack? What do you really need? There may be things you want, and that's okay, but what do you really need? And what do you need to be happy? Why can't you just be happy right now, Kevin? And it really hit me. Didn't mean that I just stopped everything. It didn't really mean I stopped anything, but there were some things that I've, I'm looking at slowing down on. Honestly, there's some things that I'm looking at giving up, some things that I felt like I wanted and I'm looking at it and go, I, I don't really care. Not at the expense of margin, not at the expense of just enjoying some things today. Do I want that thing? I, if it happens, maybe so, but I've put some things literally on the back burner. There's some other areas where I've said, man, I, I really think those will help some of my overall things that I really do want. And I'm going to, I'm going to continue to go after them, but I'm going to do it with, as, as my buddy Dustin says, I'm going to do it with palms up, not grasping, not grasping onto it, but palms up and with some peace, with some patience, Tom, which is not one of my favorite things, but I do. I just, I want some joy today. I want some peace today. I want to be okay today. Even as I jump into the water as George Bailey did, but instead of letting, jumping in to die, I want to jump into, I want to jump into help and, what a mind shift there that we get the chance every day to be feeding. That's why we're here. It's why we're having this show. It's what you and I are on the journey of as well. Um, and, and I appreciate, I think people realize that with us. I think that's why they listen a lot. Uh, we have not arrived. We are on the journey. Hopefully right. figure some things out. Uh, man, one of my greatest gifts every week, I get to talk with you, Tom. Figure some things out. Thank you, brother. We are blessed indeed. We are blessed indeed. 
As I mentioned in the intro, following this discussion with Tom Ziegler, I took the issue to my members in the Driven to Live community, which you can find at kevinmiller.co. And from the discussion, we really unpacked how this mental health issue is affecting us personally as individuals, parents, employees, and employers and influencers. And we talked about ideas on how to better cope. And it was a really authentic and vulnerable and equipping discussion. I'd be honored to have you join us for these talks. Any questions, just hit me up at kmiller at kevinmiller.co. Coming up next in the Ziggler Show, episode 959, I'm with famed high-performance coach, Nick Pigeon. She's a positive psychologist who takes to task traditional psychology, which Nick says is generally based around a negative approach. And we also take to task the concept of being happy, which she admits is a buzzword these days, just like beauty and success that lures people in. But the goal is how to have actual joy that endures past a mere happy moment. Till then, thank you as always for letting me walk with you as we inspire our true performance together.